and we learn these certain patterns and behaviors in our family of origin that carry on through our life into our marriage. All of us, I'm sure, have said at some point, if you're married and have kids, I'll never be like my parents, right? And then we, we find out, right, at some point, oh my goodness, I am exactly like my mother or I'm exactly like my father uh, because these patterns are ingrained. And so this process that I was going through was learning to identify some of this in my own life and um, discovered that, that there's different responses to everything. We, we either become compliant or we become rebellious to our family or we become attackers and very aggressive or we do the cutoff, right? We cut people off, we just cut off, and we're, we're done. So here I am writing these papers, having these deep, profound revelations about who I am, and then I'm also interpreting all of my other family members, and I'm starting to see all of these patterns come alive, and I am sitting there in my house with no family. I'm isolated from my family of origin, and I am separated by my my current family, and I'm just in there feeling lonely. And so I, I ended up talking with Oleksandr this week, Wojciech. Uh, yeah, some of you guys know him. He was the, the Ukrainian family. And his wife and kid are in, in um, Ukraine. He's waiting for them to come back. And here we are, these two sad, lonely bachelors. So we're like, all we want, we're saying, all we want is our families to come home, right? And just to be back. And, and then Thursday night, I, I come, came to prayer and we're, we're praying, and as I was going home, I had this deep sense of joy because I was just with my family. And it hit me profoundly that we're a part of a family. So on Friday, I'm writing my last paper, and it actually has to on, on family because I didn't even tell you my course that I'm taking, this first course, is on family therapy. That's, that was the name of the course I'm taking. So I'm writing my last paper, and it's a psychological paper, but it turned out to be more of a theological paper as I was reflecting on the, the dynamics and the importance of what it means to be a part of the family of God. And so today's message is that we're, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a part of the family of God. And I hope it, it hits you today in a, in a deeper and more profound way than ever before. Because it really hit me this week. You know, I've known I've been a part of the family of God. I've preached on it and stuff for years. Yet today, or this week, there was this, this deepening of this understanding and appreciation and even an excitement of what it means. So if you are a follower of Jesus today, you are a part of the family, a new family. It's a spiritual family. I wish Annika were here today because she could tell you the rest of this, this story, but um, I, I love to sing a song that drives her crazy. Maybe you know that song. It goes, I'm so glad I'm a part of... Oh, you know it too! Yes! A part of the, and I, I'll sing just that part. I'm so glad I'm a part. And I look at Annika, she's like, I know, Dad, we're part of the family of God. And I always say, and don't forget it! Because it's so important that we know that we are a part of the family of God. So much like my father. I know, that is my father coming out in me. That's right. Uh, Ephesians 2.19 says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. He's writing to this church in Ephesus. This is Paul writing. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and it's filled with Jews and Gentiles. And he's writing specifically to the Gentiles, and he says to them, 
You guys, you used to be on the outside. You weren't a part of this family. You used to be foreigners and, and not a part. And now you are members of the family of God. They are a part. And it would have been this exciting revelation for them. Ephesians 3, 14 to 15 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Do you hear that? You get your name from God. You get your name from him. Christians, that word Christians, they were first called Christians in Antioch. But that word Christian means Christ one. One belongs to Christ. God changed your last name when you get saved. You're adopted in his family. And you receive a new last name. My wife and I got married. So I don't know if you know this about her, but her maiden name is Gross. Not, not like her name is disgusting. Her name actually was Gross, G-R-O-S-S, right? That was her last name. And um, I was uh, at Bible college and um, on uh, the staff there, and she came halfway through the year. So we're doing these dorm room assignments, and we're reading these new students that are coming in, and one of the leaders reads, oh, there's this Elizabeth Gross coming. I'm like, guys, I don't think it's Gross. I think it's gross. They're like, no, no one would have a last name like that. I hope Grandma Gross never hears this. Um, there'll be some deep, <laughs> deep, some deep wounding there. Um, but then comes to our wedding day. And at our wedding day, you know how they say, okay, Jorgensen family, we're going to take pictures, right? All of her family, that's her mom's uh, remarried name. And then they said, okay, the Gross family, and she, without any filter, says, oh, I'm so glad that's not my last name. And there, there, there were some issues that came out of that. Grandma Gross. Um, but God changed your last name. It's not Gross anymore, right? You're going to have a new last name. It's God's name. His name is on you. I want you to get this. You have God's name. Are you getting excited yet? Right? You have God's name. Now, here we go. What does it mean to be a part of this new family? Three things. The first one that you are loved unconditionally. John 3.16, you might know this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? that whoever believes in him will not die, will not perish, will not be separated, but will be with him forever. Right? That's the verse. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God gave his son for you, not when you deserved it, not when we had earned it, not when we had made some great moral reform or had some great accomplishment. No, while we were still sinning, while we were still rebelling, while we were still hating God, while we were mocking Him, He loved us and sent His Son so that you could be a part of His family. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me that there's nothing you could deserve, do to deserve his love. Therefore, there's nothing you can do to blow it. Absolutely nothing. You cannot blow it bad enough that God will stop loving you. God's attitude towards you is never disappointed. God doesn't look at you in disgust and say, I can't believe you did that again and you messed up again. No, he just loves you. He sees you and he doesn't stop loving. Romans 8, 38 to 39 it says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future nor any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate. No mistake that you ever made, no power of hell can ever separate you from God's love. Amen? Luke 6, 35b. You know why we say B? It's because it's a long verse and we don't want to read the first half, A. So we read the second half, B, right? This is a really long verse. This could have been 635C. But the last part of the verse says, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Do you love that verse? Do you have any idea why I just read that verse? You're like, what in the world? Um, he, is, he, God, is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. I love that. Who's he talking about? Who just popped into your mind? <laughs> uh, it's us, right? How many times have I been ungrateful? Or that I don't make the right choices? And we have a hard time being kind, don't we? We're honest with ourselves. I know it's true with me. To be kind to people who are ungrateful towards us or who act wickedly towards us. So this summer I, had, I did a, a project for somebody. I just wanted to bless them. And uh, so I went out of my way to do this thing. Um, and then at the end of it all, when it was finally presented, there wasn't a thank you. There wasn't even an acknowledgement. There was actually a, well, could you do this then too? I tell you what. <laughs> Deep down inside for me, I had all kinds of things I wanted to say, and I will never do anything like this for you again. And I was just angry. And I had to process through those emotions because it traces back to my family of origin. Um, but I realized that, and I knew I had to process through this. And she never said thank you. And then I, I realized how ungrateful I am. I didn't do this thing to be praised, but there was something about the ungratefulness. And I, I was reading this verse this week, and I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I am so, was, was unwilling to forgive this silly thing. And yet, how many times am I ungrateful? And I treat what God has done for me with contempt by taking it for granted. And I was deeply convicted. And how many times do I mess up? But God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. And he just doesn't stop loving he keeps going and bringing us back. No matter what, God is pursuing you. You cannot fall out of his favor. And he keeps running back to you to bring you back time and time again. His heart and his concern are always for you. There was this evangelist, and uh, very famous, um, and would travel all around the U.S., and... Uh, he had this wait list of churches that had invited him. He had to book him two years in advance. And he was just in such high demand. And so he would go, but what it also meant is that he had to be away from his, his wife and teenage son for long periods of time. And on one of these trips, uh, this teenage son was being a teenage son and causing his mother strife. And she's like, if you don't stop, I'm going to call your dad. He's like, go ahead. So she picks up the phone and she calls his father as he's out on tour, and says just three words, I need you. He said, okay, I'm coming home. And so he does. And everyone's like, oh, don't do it. You know, you're in the middle of this. And he's like, it doesn't matter. So he came home, canceled his tours, canceled everything, 
took a, a small pastorate in southern Texas where he lived and uh, spent the last two years with his boy just, just before he graduated, hunting, fishing, spending time with him. After his boy went out, he, he went out to try to, you know, go on tour again, but no one remembered him. And he'd lost that. But what he poured into that boy made all the difference for him. That little boy's name was James Dobson, who went on to start Focus on the Family, an incredible ministry, all because of what his father did. That's Jesus. See, he gave it all up for you. You meant more to him than anything. And while you were rebelling, while I was rebelling, he left heaven and came down to be with us and to rescue us. So you could be a part of his family because he loves you unconditionally. That's the first one. What it means to be part of God's family is, number one, God loves us unconditionally. Number two, means you are chosen. You are chosen. You were adopted. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. I love that. He gave him great pleasure to adopt you. He decided in advance to adopt you. Some time immemorial, you were on his mind. And he wanted you. So when we lived in South Africa, we, I mean, we, wanted, we had always wanted to adopt. And especially when we found out we couldn't, couldn't have children, uh, it was our plan to adopt. And we were in South Africa, and one of my girls in my class had a, a, an abusive situation that she was in. So she, her mom lived on this side of South Africa, sent her to school. She was living with extended family. And we noticed things happening because she was the top of my class and, uh, in grade six. And she, her grades were slipping, which was not normal. She looked malnourished. Uh, she was late. She wasn't paying her school fees. So we called the mother, you know, the other side of the country, and just said, hey, so you're behind in the school fees. And she had been sending money all along, money for school fees and, and money for the food. Um, but where she was staying, her aunt's house, she was stealing the money, not feeding her, and they were abusing her. So we, like, we didn't necessarily adopt her, but we're like, we're going to take you into our house. So we brought her into our house, and she stayed with us, and she, was, she would just kind of recoil. She didn't know what to do because she had been in this environment. And so... We, we, you know, clothed her. We bought her clothes and, and food and everything. And then after a couple of weeks, we discovered we had ants. We're like, what in the world's going on? We go into her room. We found that she had been stashing food under her bed. So used to it being taken from her because of where she was. She wasn't realized that she was part of a new family now, right? She was still carrying this from her family of origin, these scars and these issues. And while we never officially adopted her, in a small way it illustrates what happens when God brings us into his family. Because we're a part of something new now. We have a new daddy now. We have a new family. But we still have trauma from our old family, our family of origin issues. Now, I don't know what kind of a family you grew up in. If you had a, had a good family or a not-so-good family, Either way, as a follower of Jesus, we have a new family, a new spiritual family. Galatians 4, 6 to 7. 
is because you are his sons, and it doesn't just mean sons, it's his sons, daughters, children. Because you are his children, God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Romans 8, uh, 14 to 15 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. This is almost a mirrored text in these two books, Galatians and Romans. Paul writes them both. It's so important that he wants to let all of Rome know and all the areas of Galatia know that we are adopted into the family of God, and we can call him Abba. That word Abba. You first see it, Jesus uses that word. He's, when he, he teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer. He says, Our Father, who is art in heaven. Now that word Abba is Aramaic. I don't know if you knew this, but in that region, there's three languages that were spoken. Greek, um, were spoken in, in certain areas, um, and, then, and then the more educated. Then there was the Jews spoke some of them Hebrew, not all of them, interestingly. But everyone spoke Aramaic. That was the common tongue of the day. And so Jesus teaches them how to pray. And Aramaic is, the, the word Abba is the Aramaic word for Father. And so it's interesting in the Lord's Prayer, he uses the Greek words also, Hopatra, which means the Father. So it's like he's saying, the Father is my Father. The Father in Greek is my, in Aramaic, my Daddy, my Father. And he was teaching his disciples that the Father, over all things who created everything, guess what? He is my Father. He is your Father. The Father is our Father. Because we have been adopted. And we have a new Father. We have a new Daddy now. We all have a family of origin. But God adopts us. Do you know who your Father was before Jesus? Satan. Not, not talking about your, your biological father, um, but I'm talking about your spiritual father. Everything that bad has ever happened to you is a part of that spiritual family of origin. So we are born from Adam and Eve into a sinful creation now, right? Is cursed because of what they did. And so every one of us is born into the sinful family of origin. We are all born spiritually dead. And everything that we learned, every habit, was taught to us by this spiritual family of origin. You got, learned it from your old father. All of your anger, all of your fear, all of the insecurity, all of the inferiority, all of the rejection, all of the impurities, right? all of the bitterness, all of that was taught to you by your old father, but you have a new family now. You're not living under that old family with all of that brokenness and all of that shame but you have been adopted. The new family, the new ways of doing things means you don't have to fend for yourself. You don't have to act like you did. You don't have to, to, to hide food in your room because your true father is going to take care of you. Why? Because he chose you. That's how adoption works, right? The, the parents choose the kids. The kids don't you know, line up the parents and say, I want you. No, we choose, the parents choose the child. God chose you. You didn't choose him. Yes, you choose to respond. Yes, you chose to say yes and to believe. But he had already chosen you from before time. 
He knew you. He saw you. He said, I want you. Remember who you belonged to before God? You belonged to Satan. But then God came down and he says, I want her. And Satan looks and says, oh, no, 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 she's mine. You can't, you can't have her, God. God says, no, but I want her. Because he knows what kind of a father he was. The devil says, there's no way I'm going to give her up. But I'll make you a deal. If you give me your son, I'll give you that girl. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your son, your one and only son, and I'm going to beat him. And I'm going to spit on him. And I'm going to mock him. And I'm going to kill him on the cross. Do you want to make the trade? And God looked at you and said, yes, I do. God chose you. He wanted you because he loves you unconditionally. The last point. What does it mean to be a part of the family of God? Well, so we're loved unconditionally. We are chosen. And it also means you have a bunch of brothers and sisters who also come from a messed up family of origin and have also been adopted. Oh, this is so important. Because we all have baggage, right? Let's be real. Our father is perfect, but we are not. We are still adjusting to what it means to be a part of this new spiritual family. We're still learning the rules, right? We're still learning how, how it means, what it means to be a part of this family. And we're adjusting. And so, so much of the Bible actually is telling us how we are supposed to relate with the other members of our family. Because God knows that we all come from a messed up family of origin. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Right? Because guess what? We're all messed up. Right? As you're as messed up as I am. I might be more messed up. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know what that word bearing means? Laboring, carrying. It's work. Bearing with one another in love. Philippians 2. I love, I love this portion of Scripture. Philippians 2, verse 4, verse says, Therefore, this is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. By the way, this is kind of a side note. They had conflict. They had some serious conflict. You get, you get, he builds it all up to chapter 4, and he says, I beg with Tychicus and Iodia, stop fighting, right? And so he, there's, this, there's an issue, there's, there's conflict. And so he writes in chapter 2, and I love this. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, I love this, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but you to the interests of others. That's, that's God's heart. Paul is sharing God's heart for his church. You're supposed to care for one another like more than, you, more than for yourself because we're a part of a new family. We have this new support group of all dysfunctional people, now part of God's family, loving each other, forgiving each other, bearing with one another because we know that we all have issues. That's what it means. One of the things that I learned in the genogram was that my issues that I have 
were passed on to my parents by their parents. They were passed all the way down. And as I started to look at that, it gave me an incredible amount of grace for who my family is, who my parents are. And I began to see them rather than with, with frustration or annoyance, with compassion. Because when we realize that we have our family of origin, it should give us grace. The same is true with each one of us, what it means to be part of the family of God. When we realize that all of our family of origin was with the devil, oh, it should give us a lot of grace for one another. Right now, I want you just to imagine, uh, maybe hard for you, just imagine a mirror in front of you. And I want you to look in that mirror, just imagine that. And what do you see? You look into that mirror. What I hope that you see today is that you see a person who is loved, who is adopted. You see a person that God would do anything for because God gave it all up for you because you were special to him. You were adopted. Now, look around the room at people. And this could be awkward for some people, but humor me. Just take a look around at people. Okay? Look, there's, there are people from all different walks, right? All different families, physical families of origin, right? We're all, we're all different. When you look around at people around you, what do you see? That's right. I hope you see people who are loved, people who are messed up because of their family of origin, but who have been adopted, who are chosen, who are loved unconditionally, and God gave everything for them. And they are a person he would do anything for. And the cool thing is, we are invited to participate in that and look at, around it in one another and say, I see you. I hear you, right? I treasure you. And I would do anything for you because you are special to me. You have a new family now, a new support group, people just like you that all have accepted Jesus, who know what it means to be loved, accepted, and forgiven by him. That is what it means to be a part of the family of God. We have a new family, a new we, are, we know that we are loved unconditionally, that we are chosen, and we know that we're all messed up. And so we have this opportunity to support one another and love one another.